It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello to everybody listening today. I'm Joe Mott, your host. Recently, two Christian listeners texted messages to the radio station commenting on the program. Reading between the lines, I believe that each were challenged with what they called philosophy. I'm not sure exactly what they meant by philosophy, and indeed, even professional philosophers are reluctant to attempt a definition of philosophy. It seems to me that philosophy is involved with answering the question, how do we make sense of the world? Mythology makes use of tradition and stories, and religion appeals to divine revelation. Philosophy, however, never appeals to either divine revelation or tradition to show their theories are true. Instead, they appeal to the power of reason. In his book, The Big Questions, Nils Rahut gives his working definition of philosophy. He says, In a broad sense, philosophy can be understood as the attempt to develop a big-picture view of the universe with the help of reason. I'm guessing these two listeners were asking, does a Christian need to know philosophy in order to defend the Christian faith? Perhaps they were thinking of something akin to Rahut's working definition of philosophy. So perhaps they are concerned that they will need to learn the methodology of using intellectual arguments, applying logic, reason, and evidence. In our everyday life, we use reason all the time to make decisions about what we do, where we go, who we vote for, which church to attend, and when we pay our taxes. If we go to court, our attorney uses reason to analyze the law to make our case. We use reason to understand anything we read, hear, or watch. Why should we expect not to use reason when we defend our faith? The two listeners' question can be answered with a brief answer and a longer, more extended answer. The extended answer can be found in this and subsequent episodes of this program. Indeed, it is a long-term goal of this program to prepare Christians to be able to make a case defending the Christian faith against accusations and objections. My brief answer to the qu- for the Christian is contingent on your commitment to what you believe is the Lord's calling 
on your life. If you are trying to be obedient to the command given in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be prepared to give a a defense to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and reverence. If you're trying to be obedient to that command, my advice is start with what you have. When God wanted to deliver Israel from the Egyptian slavery, he asked Moses, what's that in your hand? God used a staff in the hand of Moses to deliver Israel. Samson had the jawbone of a donkey. David used his familiar slingshot against Goliath rather than someone else's armor with which he was unfamiliar. You have something in your knowledge, experience, and training which to you is familiar that God can use. So what is that in your hand. Second advice, listen with a compassionate heart. Rabbi Zacharias said, behind every question is a questioner. So treat them honorably and with respect. Third advice, take the first step to see if God will confirm his involvement. A journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. If that person you met who expressed an objection, start with that objection, research it, be prepared to refute that objection for the next opportunity of a conversation with that person. Along the way, God may use that preparation with another person. Fourth advice Ask clarifying questions. I recommend the book Tactics by Greg Kukul. He calls the method of asking questions the Colombo tactic after Peter Falk's role as a TV detective. First, Kukul suggests ask questions to gather information. What do you mean by that? See page 49 of his book. Can you explain that a little more? Second thing he he says is reverse the burden of proof. His rule is the person who makes a claim has has the burden of proof. So it is good to ask what? How how did you come to that conclusion? That's found on page 61 of his book. Why do you believe that? If they make an argument, ask them if what they have asserted is a, a fact. Or do you have evidence for what you just said? Kukul recommends other techniques. One way to ask uh, questions that turn the tables and exploit a weakness or a flaw in the objector's ideas. That's in chapter 5 
On page 83, Kukul says, Remember, as an ambassador of Christ, you don't have to hit a home run in every conversation. You don't even have to get on base, in my opinion. Sometimes just getting up to bat will do. The rest will come in time. Then Kugel adds, the third use of the Colombo tactic takes us on the offensive. The danger, of course, is that we become offensive when we go on the offensive. Sometimes the best way to disagree with someone is not to face the issue head on, but to soften the challenge by using an indirect approach. For one, think about using the phrase, have you considered to introduce your concern, then offering a different view that gently questions the person's beliefs or confronts a weakness with his argument. Another way to soften your challenge is to phrase your concerns as a request for clarification. Begin by asking, can you clear this up for me? Or can you help me understand this? Then offer your objection to his stance. The question also could reveal whether the objector has an open mind. If I give you evidence contrary to your objection, would you follow the evidence where it leads and change your mind? If the answer is no, God is not drawing him now, so your task is complete. Advice to the listeners is is this. As you take responsibility for your own training, you will develop confidence and be more comfortable in your conversation with non-believers. Remember, without a thorough knowledge of philosophy, the Christian is at the mercy of the non-Christian in the intellectual arena. So, the brief answer to the listener's question is this. Yes, you do need to be prepared to give a defense for the reason for the hope within you. That is the command taken from 1 Peter 3.15. And it is for every believer. So meditate on this passage as well as the, uh, uh, the passage 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5 regularly. Place him on a card in your dressing room to remind you. But don't be intimidated by the words intellectual, reason, and arguments. It's just a way of saying use your own mind. You use your mind in every other activity. Continue doing it in responding to the objector to the Christian faith. That's the end of my response to the listener's question. In the remaining time, I say that the title for this episode is Reasons for Apologetics or Pre-Evangelism. Apologetics is giving a reason or defense of our Christian faith. Positively, it is building a logical case for Christianity. Negatively, it is answering objections to the Christian faith. The American Christian philosopher Francis Schaeffer calls apologetics pre-evangelism. In our post-Christian, post-modern, secular world, 
More and more people need pre-evangelism first before they can be evangelized. Statistics show that more than half the world's population need pre-evangelism. Let me quote 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. It says, Indeed, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. These verses apply to the apologetic task. In this warfare, we defend reason as well as faith. For reason is both a friend and an ally of truth and faith. But this warfare is against unbelief, not unbelievers. Just as insulin is against diabetes, not against diabetics. The goal of apologetics is not victory, but instead truth. In this way, both sides win. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 tells us we must seek wisdom as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. The conclusion, you can't dig a mine shaft into the mountainside to find the hidden treasures of silver using only a plastic picnic spoon. You have to work for it. You have to formulate your thinking about what you will say to a questioner. You can't dabble around making mud pies and expect to prepare something substantive to feed a sincere seeker after truth. And to do this, you need effective tools. Philosophy is one tool by which you can make sense of the Christian faith. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith, with Joe Mott.